Rolls out to the right, dumps right, and it's caught for a Vikings touchdown. It's rookie Alexander Madison. Yeah, it felt good to get out there and, uh, you know, piece things together and yeah. go out there and, and execute on the first drive. The offense, I tend to think, is a little bit further ahead of schedule than I would have anticipated. Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast with your hosts, Mike Wabshaw and Chris Corso. All right, everyone, welcome in. It's episode four of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw, inside TCO Performance Center, joined as usual by co-host and co-producer Chris Corso. What's up, man? What's up? We finally had a football game. Yeah, it's awesome. About time. Football's been back because we've been at training camp, but it's really, really back now because we've had games. And we have more games coming up. And we're going to talk about the Vikings' first preseason game in a minute. We're going to invite ESPN's Courtney Cronin into the studio. She's going to give us her thoughts. And we're also going to have someone who starred in the Vikings' first preseason game as a guest today. That will be running back and rookie Alexander Madison, who's going to join us in a little bit. Of course, we're going to have fan voicemails, which we're excited to share with you. But first, let's break down what we saw in week one of the Vikings preseason, Chris. Um, Obviously a Vikings victory, which is always good. Lots of points scored, which is always good. Too many penalties, which is not good. And the most important thing, we stayed healthy. Absolutely. Health was awesome. Um, And I think, you know, when you... When you go over what you want to see out of the game or you ask a coach what he wants to see out of the game, that's what he always says is we want to stay healthy. And you want to get to the starting line of the regular season with your full complement of starters and contributors, as many of them as possible. It is such a bummer uh, to have to begin a season without one of those guys. And so that is really the number one goal for every preseason game, and the Vikings were able to accomplish that in week one down in New Orleans. So let's go over what stood out in that first preseason game. I'll go first. Cool. And I am going to not go for the most obvious. The layup. I'm not going for the layup. You're not going for the four-for-four layup? Nope. Uh, I'm going for no sacks. That was what stood out to me in this game. Love that. The Vikings did not allow a quarterback sack on 30 dropbacks. 27 pass attempts, three quarterback runs, two by Jake Browning, a big one by Kirk Cousins, which picked up a first down on third and long. No sacks allowed by the Vikings offensive line, and the reason this was notable to me is I think anyone who's been around camp and has watched camp and for those of us who were able to watch the offseason program, you know, the Vikings first team defense has been very good at generating quarterback pressure. And that's not a huge detriment to the Vikings offensive line because the Vikings have a great defensive line, maybe the best in the NFL, at least up there in the top two or three, if not the best. So obviously they're going to get some quarterback pressure. But to have the Vikings offensive line come out in a preseason game against an opponent and not surrender any sacks and really not have pressure be a problem at all on any of the dropbacks except for a few. To me, that really stood out. I'm encouraged by that. And I think when we play Seattle this weekend, it's going to be another big test because they've always had a good defensive line. They've always had a good defense. Pete Carroll's going to have those guys revved up and ready to go when they get here. And so it'll be another good test. And it happened without Brian O'Neill. 
who did not play in this game. That's right. Um, Rashad Hill played. Now he had a penalty on the first drive, which is not great. Uh, but overall, entire offensive line, I liked what I saw uh, from a pass protection standpoint. So that's one thing that stood out to me. How about you? My biggest takeaway is not the fact that Kirk Cousins performed so well, 4-for-4, four four, with a 34-yard pass to Adam Thielen to get the team on the 1, sealed it with a touchdown to Alexander Madison. My thing is Kirk Cousins was on the move. Okay. They've talked about it. They've wanted him to be in play action. They've wanted him moving outside of the pocket to make these passes. He completed a pass to Stephon Diggs, which was brought back by a penalty, but still a very encouraging play. He also hit Kyle Rudolph on a gain for a first down, and he hit Adam Thielen down the field. I mean, what more could you ask for than for him to hit his top three targets Mm -hmm. on a short drive in the first quarter and to do it while on the move as well as scramble for a first for a first down in that drive. So you saw Kirk doing things that we didn't see a lot of at the beginning of last year when he was in that shotgun most of the time, just rifling passes down the field to Thielen and Diggs. We kind of saw him moving around the pocket, and that's what you like to see. Mm-hmm. All right, next one for me, young defensive tackles. I thought um, there's they had big opportunity in terms of numbers of snaps, which gives the coaches a lot of tape to analyze, which gives the coaches a lot of opportunity to teach and coach, which was good. So with no Shamar Stefan and no Linval Joseph playing in the game, guys like Jalil Johnson, Jalen Holmes, and Hercules Mata'afa had a lot of snaps. I went back and watched all of their snaps in the game, and you saw a lot of good things, and you saw some things that weren't right. I thought maybe there was a few misalignments and maybe some technique things that can be cleaned up in the running game uh, in terms of run defense. And I think a lot of that was maybe, or a part of it is due to Every day in practice, they're going against an outside zone team, a team running a lot of outside zone type of runs, stretch runs. The Saints didn't do that. The Saints were coming downhill, and they were using power. So I think maybe that was a little jarring at first, and that maybe is why there were some technique things that need to be cleaned up. Um, But I think that's okay because Atlanta's going to come in here in week one. They're not an outside zone team. They're going to come in and run with power, I think. Uh, So I thought that was um, a good little wake-up call. And even um, in the wake-up call, I thought there were some good things. Jalen Holmes had a sack. Hercules Mata'afa had a sack. Jilla Johnson did a good job of splitting some double teams. So I thought the young defensive tackles um, were, were notable to me, both in terms of what they did well and things that they need to clean up. And uh, I expect that will be cleaned up um, for the Seahawks game, which um, you know the Seahawks are going to watch that. And although there's not a lot of scheming and game planning going on, you know the Seahawks will have seen that and they'll want to test. They'll want to test the inside running game, especially if Linval and Shamar don't play. I don't know yep. if they're going to play or not. And if they do play, they're not going to play very much because it's only the second preseason game. So I'm excited to see Jaleel, Jalen, and uh, Hercules get out there for another game and see if they've refined some of those uh, technique issues that popped up and see if they can build on what was good for them in that game. A couple of sacks from that group and, and Jaleel doing a good job of holding the point in the run game. So I'm excited to see those guys in week two. You talked about some of the young players on the defensive side of the ball. My last takeaway is going to be young playmakers on offense. Mm-hmm. We saw Ola B.C. Johnson with a first down catch, followed by a Moss-like touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Mike Boone with a long run at the end of the game as a running back. We saw today's guest, Alexander Madison, contribute with a one-yard touchdown. So a lot of these young players on offense are finding a way to get involved out on the field. Tyler Conklin Um, on a tight end screen, took the ball down the field with the second group out there. So some of these young players that you really look to make their case to be on this roster, 
um, found a way to get it done in this game. Yep, and I'm sure that uh, that you and uh, one of our guests for today, Courtney Cronin, got into that and much more about uh, <clears throat> week one of the preseason and also week two, and we'll get to Courtney in a minute. But for now, let's bring up one of the standouts in week one of the preseason for the Vikings, and that is rookie running back Alexander Madison, who steps into the studio now. What's up, man? What's up? How's it going? It's good. This is the dog days of training camp right now. Oh, yeah. Can you oh, feel yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, I feel a little bit, but, you know, just pushing through. Yeah. Uh, but we had um, a minute to come up for a breath of fresh air from camp, and we played a game. That's what yeah. this is all about, right? Yeah. And folks saw you in the game. We're going to have you take a listen and a look at this because this was the highlight of the game. Offset eye right behind Kirk. Ham in front of Alexander Madison. Kirk rolls out to the right, dumps right, and it's caught for a Vikings touchdown. This one will not be reversed. It's rookie Alexander Madison. Alexander Madison just going out straight to the flat. All the vision follows C.J. Ham. So, Paul, if you if you want to talk about what's changed, it looks different in the running game. A lot of two back sets, a lot of C.J. Ham in the backfield, and a lot of misdirection off of that. Touchdown, man! Yep. Way to go! Congrats. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a preseason, but you, you got a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, it felt good to get out there and. Uh... You know, piece things together and yeah. go out there and, and execute on our first drive. Yeah. So when you're when you're in the game like that, you know, it's it's first and goal or whatever and goal at the one, and that's the play call. What are, and you're lining up. What are you thinking? Because um, you're pretty sure the ball's coming to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Initially, I thought, you know, all right, let's go. We're about to pound it in there, and then they, he makes that play call, and I was like, okay, well, I'm I, I know I'm still the number one read on this play, so I knew I was guaranteed almost that I was yeah. going to be the one to get the ball. So um, it was just a different way. Um, my mindset was like, all right, time to run through someone's face. And then it kind of switched over to, okay, now let's uh, catch the ball and secure yeah. it and, and score a touchdown. So uh, it was just it was a great feeling. Yeah. And goal line situations like that, do you like that style of play down there? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You do? Okay. It's, it's one of those those mindsets, you know, especially if you're on the winning side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just helps you, helps you feel good, helps you build momentum throughout the game. Yeah. I'm sure you guys, in preparing for that that game, I'm sure you guys talked to, I know Kevin Stefanski, you talked about starting fast, right? Yeah. Eliminate mistakes, let's start fast, and let's go down there and look good and be in rhythm. And then that's what happened. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially, you know, all the hard work that we do, um, all the times that we've messed up in practice and then have to go through and, and fix it and just make sure we don't make those same mistakes yeah. and to go out there and execute it, um, it, it was a really good feeling. I was just talking to him before, and he yeah. said he has a friend from college who's a big Adam Thielen fan. Yeah. And he was a little upset with him because he stole Thielen's touchdown. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah, so he gave me a little a little something after the game, told me he's like, don't make that a regular thing. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. You know, I'm, I'm anticipating there's going to be plenty of games where you score touchdowns. And when that happens, like, you get back to the locker room after a game. Is your phone blowing up? Like, what what is that like for you after a game? <laughs> yeah, 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 I kind of uh, – I kind of just tune out for a little bit because yeah. uh, it's a lot. So, yeah. um, you know, I got to pick and choose the, the things that I can uh, really go through in a certain amount of time if I want to really just kind of let my mind breathe a little bit. Yeah. You know, uh, nowadays everyone's into technology and on their phone and into video games. And so I try to stay away from that yeah. a little bit. So when that does happen, I do it piece by piece. So, you yeah. know, take maybe 15 minutes to go through and respond to family and stuff and then come back maybe couple hours later yeah. and peep some more stuff but yeah yeah how about you know after a situation like like the preseason game that we just had in new orleans on friday night we, you know you score a touchdown and you get all the messages right and you that 
feels good and looks good. And then we ask you to come on the podcast, right? Because you scored a touchdown and we like you. <laughs> but like, I, I, I bet you, uh, I bet the people listening, that when you guys go into the room, running back room, and you break the film down, and Kennedy Polamalu, your position coach, is critiquing you and giving you credit for stuff, the touchdown was just one play. You had a lot of other plays when you did a lot of other things right yep. and not right. Yeah. You know, but that doesn't get focused on. But you guys have to focus on that, right? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's the attention to details. We go through every single day, and make sure that we go through the details. Mm-hmm. And so, that's one way that he coaches, and that's one way that he critiques as well. So, um, it could be just not taking the right footwork on a play. Even if I scored and don't take the right footwork, we're gonna critique the footwork. Um, even if I pick up a pass protection, but could have been you know one step closer. Could have been when, you know, one punch faster, cleaner, whatever it might be, we're going to go ahead and critique that. And so we just try and get better off of everything. Yeah. And then, you know, then you got to put it away and get ready for what's coming up next, right? Yeah. And yeah, do you kind of feel that rhythm right now this week, getting ready for an, another game? Like, does it not really feel like the offseason program and training camp? It kind of feels like, okay, getting into a routine, getting to the next game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, you know, obviously you have to throw on the, the schedule and the, the kind of things that we go through training camp wise is um, it's a little different um, as far as like feeling like you're preparing for a game. It's, mm-hmm. it's us trying to get better every day. It's not really trying to um, sit there and game plan and, and go through a week of, of pulling out, you know, what we want to run against a team, but also just trying to get through and perfect our offense every single day. Yeah. All right. Talk about um, s- some of your college days playing at Boise State, the Mountain West Conference, well, right? Blue well, turf action. Yeah. yeah. T- yeah. Talk to us about <laughs> that, you know, you know because blue. some folks have heard from you and have listened to you on on the podcast and other places. But for for those who haven't, talk about you know you had a really good successful career at a school that people see on TV quite a bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Definitely. And I, you know, I'm forever grateful for uh, the opportunity to play there on the blue. And uh, like I tell everyone, it's probably one of the best decisions I made in my life to go there. Awesome. Um, not only. That's you know, great. the environment, not only the football program, um, just everything, the culture of it. Um, it was it was amazing just um, going in there. That, that culture there is contagious, and, you know, I'll carry it with me wherever I go, that blue-collar mindset. Yeah. Um, but, you know, out there on the blue is something special. You know, yeah. we, we don't like to lose on the blue, and we like to protect it. So That's um, awesome. it, it was an awesome experience. Yeah. He's a Southern California guy as well, so yeah. I was telling him he grew up there. He's not going to be ready for the snow. Like, there's <laughs> no way. But didn't you have it at Boise? Yeah, but um, it's a little I, colder. Here. I've heard a couple. <laughs> okay. I've heard a couple times that it, Boise doesn't live up to Minnesota okay. uh, winters. Well, what are you gonna do when you like when you go through the winter? Do you have a jack like a winter jacket? Are you ready for that? I don't think I even have. I mean, I barely had the proper gear for winters in Boise, so yeah. I'm definitely gonna have to go shopping. We gotta bit. send you to like a North Face or yeah, something. something. Yeah. <laughs> hey, here's the problem. You got you got Dalvin in your room and he he's not the expert on it either now. Miami oh, yeah. guy. Right, yeah. He's a Miami <laughs> guy. So pick his brain a little you bit. You have to go to you know who you need? CJ Ham. Oh, he's from here. Oh, okay, yeah. So went he to, knows exactly went to school what to do. In, or from Duluth, went to school in, in Augustana. Yeah, he, he's oh, got you back. Oh, yeah. What's it like in, in yeah. that running back room? You have a, just a mix of personalities. Mike Boone from Cincinnati. You have Dalvin from Florida State. And then you have a guy like C.J. Hamm, who's a local guy. Kind of, what's, the, what's the room vibe like for you guys this time of year? Um, it's, it's a brotherhood. Um, those guys are awesome. You know, we, we have each other's back um, every single day. It's, it's it's just growing every day. Our bond is growing as a group, and we do things um, not only just to go out there and execute play by play what we have to do, but also to to you know live up to that standard that we have in that room for each other, and just making sure that we make each other look good. Um, Amir, 
uh, Boone, all those Amir guys. Amir like, as well, yeah, Nebraska yeah, those guys. guys are really, you know, really down-to-earth guys. Dalvin, really down-to-earth guys and care about each other in the group. So when someone messes up something, it's not, you know, one of those things where we kind of get on each other in a hard way, but we get on each other to make each other better. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's a good environment, you know, to have yeah. in that room too because coaches, um, they know how to build you up. They're very good at that. But coaches are critical. I mean, mm-hmm. they expect a lot. This is professional football, yeah. right? And you got a guy, Kennedy Polamalu, KP. who's a veteran coach and has high expectations, and that's oh, yeah. good. You know, yeah. and and it's gonna it's gonna make you a better player. So to be able to take that coaching is is really important at this level. Yeah, definitely. Um, K- now KP was also in. LA for a while as well, oh, yeah. coaching UCLA mm-hmm. and USC and stuff like that. Do you guys have any connections there? Um, no, excuse me. Um, if I can remember, I think the time frame that he was um, coaching there in that area, that was when I was younger. So yeah. it, was, okay. it was one of those times, you know. Are I, you able to I bond was, over the weather at least or something? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> that. But, you know, I, I was watching Reggie Bush and st- while he was coaching him. So Crazy. I didn't, you know, yeah. I never really noticed the running back coach when I'm, you know, eight years old, I, I, Reggie Bush, you know, but, um, yeah, he was, he was coaching Reggie back M- in the Murray's day. Maurice Jones drew over at UCLA and as then, well. Yep. And so, um, he gives us those stories and tells us those yeah. stories all the time. So it's cool to hear because from my perspective, I was just, you know, Very watching young. it on TV and, yeah. and jumping around when they make crazy plays and, you know, then you get to hear the other side now. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Troy Polamalu, I'm sure you watched yeah. him on TV, oh, yeah, right? Definitely. His nephew. So yeah, he was my, you know, when I was growing up, I don't know if coach, I don't know if KP knows, but Troy Polamalu was my favorite player. Really? And you should tell him that. when I started playing football when I was six. How do you not tell him that? That was the reason. <laughs> uh, it just never never came up. Yeah. It hasn't came up. So it's, it's his ace in the hole for when he's in the doghouse. Yeah, yeah. something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I had, you know, I'd cut up, cut him out of, like, magazine or, yeah. uh, you know, print out a picture or something. Had him up on my wall yeah. growing up as we moved around houses and stuff like that. So we yeah. gotta yeah. set up this meeting yeah. to have this one time. would do that. We gotta get Troy Polamalu here. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. what we need, oh, right? Yeah. Get Troy here. Um, what's your nickname? What What do people call you? Because like I know, like I approach you to ask you to do stuff, and I'm just like, you know, I I want to call you the right thing, like Alexander, Alex. Like I don't know. Oh, I, I, I call Dalvin DC. Dalvin uh-huh. DC. Like that's what I call him. What do um, people call you? I I mean. I go with anything. Really. Is it Alex Ale- or Alexander? Alex is perfectly fine. Yeah. Okay. You know, but some people, you know, I hear an Alexander. I'll, I'm, you know, I'm gonna acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. It has no effect on me, really. Okay. What you call me, um, Coach Move, he calls me Maddie. Okay. And so, I like Maddie. A lot of the special teams coaches that call me that. Um, so that's the other thing that you yeah. know I've heard that growing up too. I've heard a couple of different yeah. things. Just Alex, Alexander, Maddie. There's really no specific one all right i'm gonna have to figure <laughs> out have to go to the yeah. drawing board yeah, well, we'll i just want to figure something <laughs> out see, you I'm, know? I'm easy because whatever comes to your mind and you feel comfortable with you're cool with yeah yeah unless <laughs> so, it's like so some, laid back man some crazy superhero yeah. type name or something that's a little weird <laughs> yeah but. no and here's the other thing too with us like i think everything i've asked you to do you know to help us out you know you've always said yes and we really appreciate that. Of course. I want you to know, though, if you just can't do it or you're super annoyed, you can you can say no every now and then. Okay. All right? <laughs> Give him, like, a year in the league. He's going to be like, see yeah, you later. We're not, we're not with you. Anymore. I'm tired of saying yes to you. <laughs> yeah. But you, you do everything we ask, and we, we try to respect your time. And, like, you got to go to practice right now. He's got to eat lunch. Or eat lunch right now, mm-hmm. then go to practice. Yeah. But we really appreciate your time, man. Of course. Yeah, you're, you're off to a great it's my start. Pleasure. Yeah, you're off to a great start. We're looking forward to watching you play more games, all right? Thank you. Really okay, man. Stay that. healthy. All right. All right. I will.
All right, so Madison and company, uh, especially those those rookies, they're going to get their first look at a really good team, a team that's been good for a long time, Chris, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. That's going to happen on Sunday. That's preseason game number two for the Vikings, Sunday at 7 p.m. The game will be broadcast on television on Fox. It's a national broadcast. Kevin Burkhart will have the play-by-play duties. Charles Davis will be in the booth with him, and Pam Oliver will be here on the sidelines. So a really good crew. Usually that's Fox's number two crew, I believe, number two or number three crew. So uh, we're going to have a good television crew doing our game on Sunday night, which will be cool. But, of course, we want you to check out the game on the Vikings Radio Network as well, where Voice of the Vikings Paul Allen will call the action with Pete Bursich in the booth and former Vikings Ben Lieber and Greg Coleman will be on the sidelines providing analysis and input. The pregame show on the Vikings Radio Network, FM 100.3 and KTLK here locally and then all across the radio network uh, from an outstate perspective. The pregame show is hosted by Mike Musman. That will begin at 5 o'clock. So your Vikings coverage on Sunday begins at 5 o'clock p.m. with the pregame show and then kickoff just after 7 o'clock. You can catch the game on Fox on TV and on the Vikings Radio Network on radio. So that's what's coming up. Um, you know, we're going to hear from Zim, Chris, before that game. We're going to hear from him a couple of times, so he'll let us know what his expectations are and what, what he wants to see from the game. Uh, but what are a couple of things that you hope to see from the Seahawks game? I know that Russell Wilson did not play in that entire first game, so maybe we see him, maybe we don't. I know normally the third preseason game is where you, you would see a quarterback like that, but we do see this team later on in the year in Seattle on Monday Night Football. So you want to see us kind of, whether it's the young players playing well against their young players, um, you want to see us play well in this game. We have not played well against Seattle in the four years I've been here. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't like that team, and I think we need to put up a good matchup, especially our first home preseason game of the season. So Yeah, Seattle was at home last week. They hosted Denver, and they won the game 22-14. to And you're right, Russell Wilson didn't play. You know who else didn't play? Who's that? Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner, the starting D-line, the starting O-line. They didn't play. So they're most, most of their core players, did, their, did that young wide receiver play that they got in the draft? Oh, D.K. Metcalf? Yeah. I don't know. I just looked at the guys who didn't play, so he must have. Yeah, I'm excited um, to see him play. Yeah, so um, I, think, I think that Seattle's guys will play in this game, at least a little bit. I can't see Pete Carroll holding those guys out for two full preseason games, so I think we're going to get a little bit of – uh, a taste of the Seattle starters, and I'm looking forward to that. Lots of Paxton Lynch and Geno Smith for Seattle in that Geno first Smith. preseason game. Yeah, he's on their roster. So I'm sure we'll see those guys in the second quarter, third and fourth quarter. Um, Seattle defense had three sacks um, against Denver. So like I said, with us not allowing a sack in New Orleans, I can't wait to see how our pass protection holds up against Seattle. They had three sacks against the Denver Broncos. More on uh, Vikings preseason action, both what happened in New Orleans and what's coming up against the Seahawks when Courtney Cronin steps in here and Chris takes the microphone and handles the interview with Courtney. For now, though, let's go over giving the microphone to the fans. Yes. Our new feature this year, the fan voicemail feature, has been a popular one. And uh, we've got a few more voicemails that are good that we want to share with you right now. Again, a reminder of what this is all about. We have a phone number and a voicemail set up for you guys to call us and leave us messages, opinions, and questions. The number is 952-918-8348. 952-918-8348. The topic for next week, what's the perfect number of preseason games for the NFL? Obviously, right now it's four. 
every year during the preseason we hear about how there needs to be fewer or no four is fine or whatever. Give us your case so for fewer. We, we want <laughs> Chris wants fewer. I like four, but we want to know what you guys think. 952-918-8348. The perfect number of preseason games. Call us, leave us a voicemail, give us your opinion. And if you have questions, you can also call us and leave us a voicemail with some questions. Maybe we can include those in a future episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. For now, though, last week's topic, we asked folks to watch the game on Friday and let us know who made a good case for themselves in the first preseason game against the New Orleans Saints. We've got some good voicemails to share with you. Chrissy, take it away. Hey, guys. Skull Vikings. Jonathan calling here from the wonderful Tulsa, Oklahoma. What I thought of the game is I thought it was a fantastic view of what we can see uh, this upcoming season. I'm liking what we're seeing so far. Um, one of the guys that I, I thought I could pick out for you would be one on offense, one on defense, that I thought kind of solidified their spot. Um, I was very surprised by B.C. Johnson. Uh, I had, saw that he showed up, and he had some great hands, ran some good routes, and even saw him picking up some good blocks out there. And uh, especially on defense, uh, Hercules Mata'afa definitely is looking big, strong, uh, fast, and looking like he can make some, some good hits. So I'm, I'm liking the plays that we're running. We look very strong in the play action. So I look forward to uh, seeing what we do this season. Skull Vikings. All right, Jonathan, Skull Vikings. Thanks for the voice message. I agree with what he said. I thought those two were some uh, were two of the standouts in the game, Chris. I mean, pretty straightforward. Absolutely. We saw Hercules pretty much pile drive a guard um, to get to the quarterback, and he, and he had a sack on that play. It was pretty awesome to see. We know what we saw from B.C. Johnson. Let's hear from – Hold on. One more ahead. thing. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, all right. I, I'm just going to go ahead with my next thing here. I think Jonathan, he just he started to hit on something that is prescient, I think, and that is he liked the plays, and he thought play action looked good. And I agree with him. I thought it was basically a perfect start for Stefanski and the offensive staff. Yeah. Didn't allow any sacks, pretty good on third downs, averaged like eight yards per carry, had a 64-yard touchdown run, Cousins was perfect. So I thought Stefanski – and the offensive staff, really good start. And I think Jonathan was starting to get to that point before he went into Hercules, and uh, I think that's something to watch in Week 2. Okay, go ahead with the second voicemail. <laughs> this is Van in Fort Worth. Oh, oh boy. The Vikings capital of the South. Oh, boy. Topicock Van, turn out the lights. The party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The party's over. Turn out the lights. Because I'll say B.C. Johnson shut this game down and took the trophy of who upped their chances of making the Vikings roster. This cowboy had two grabs for 35 yards and a beautiful 18-yard touchdown catch that would knock Cosell's toupee off. Now, he could just kick off his boots, put his feet up, and savor his victory over an ice-cold Great tasting, refreshing Lipton iced tea. He won't just be a Lipton iced tea drinker. He'll be a Lipton iced tea lover. Or my name ain't Dan the Dawn. You betcha. My Turn man. out the light. <laughs> the party's over. Wobby and Krill. <laughs> we got a little shout That's out. That's the best. <laughs> that is the best. I mean, how, uh, could you, how can we not play that? Voicemail. Well, we're gonna play that. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, play that, that every time. I mean, if you're gonna come with that type of game, you're getting on the podcast. So he's three. He's he's four for four. No, three for three. Three for three. Yeah, yeah. he's three for three. 
because we've done this three times. It's the fourth episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, but we didn't have voicemails on the first episode. We've had them for the last three. My man's three for three. <laughs> Keep them coming, man. I want to know. I, w- I want to see how many in a row. He- We're not going to put him up in <laughs> here if it good. stinks. Yeah. If it stinks, it's yeah. out. But the first three have not stunk. They've we have been good. standards on here, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, but he's on the B.C. Johnson train. Now, I will say, B.C. Johnson cannot just quit now. I mean, he's got one good game, so he's got he's to stack good game on top of good game. But he's right. Um, he's off to a good start. Hey, Wabi and Chris, this is Aaron from Green Bay. Just finished watching what? the game. And I was so excited about the Aaron Rodgers? this year and all the many things that they offer. But the thing that, uh, I guess, talking about a player that – made a big jump and, and really made a big impression. For me, it's got to be Hercules Makahafa. He had the one bad play with the holding call that was called on Weatherly, but then right after that, he just totally wrecked the next two plays, sacking Bridgewater and then causing the holding call. For me, it's got to be Makahafa. But on the offensive side, I just loved watching that they could run the ball, that they weren't having their quarterbacks harass too much. Um, ball control, to me, ball control is going to be huge this year. If they can have more time of possession than other teams, it's got to bode very well with, with the defense that we run and everything that goes on. So really enjoyed the game. Skull bikes. Awesome. Aaron from Green Bay. Oh, yeah, that was kind of weird. Hmm. Who's calling Who's calling this number? Do you know an Aaron from Green Bay? I know an Aaron from Green Bay. I know an Aaron from Green Bay who hasn't ever won at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, yeah that's before. right. He hasn't. <laughs> We're going to keep that up. Uh, no, this was Vikings fan Aaron from Green Bay. And uh, he made a couple of good points. First of all, Hercules was a standout in the game. I agree with him. Um, And there was a play where Hercules drew a holding call on a screen pass, was thrown to the ground, ref threw a flag on the offensive lineman who threw Hercules down and held him. Then the screenplay was starting to develop. Stephen Weatherly read it beautifully and contained it, and Hercules came in from the back end and made the play. It's so, awesome. So, yeah, it was great effort by Hercules and great instincts by Weatherly. So I think you saw stuff like that a lot from the second-team defensive line. I was really encouraged by what I saw. Um, I think Aaron made a really good point about time of possession and ball control for our offense. Ordinarily, I'm not a big time of possession guy. I, I don't look at... It's not one of the first 10 things. I Like, if I didn't watch a game and I'm going to go to the stat sheet and yep. be like, okay, what happened in this game? Time of possession, I don't care about that. Because you can have a 12-play, five-minute drive. You can have all of them that you want. But if they end in field goals, it doesn't matter. You can score right away. I would rather, I would rather have a four-play drive that took up a minute and a half but resulted in a touchdown. That's a good point. Okay. But Aaron makes a good point with our team and the way we play and our defense – Time of possession kind of matters a little bit more. That's for sure, um, especially if you're running the ball. Yeah, so um, like for Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, like I don't think time of possession matters. Like scoring points is what matters. But they they don't have awesome defenses like we. Well, the Patriots do, but they don't have awesome defenses like we do. And we want to we want our defense. Um, w- you know, we want to we want them not to be on the field a lot. Um, so we want time of possession um, so that they're resting. Um, and we, we can control the clock and control the ball. So I think Aaron makes a good point there. This last fan voicemail has a little uh, melody to it. Okay. It's a little, a little More rap. songs? Oh. A, a, a little rap action. All right. Hey, Chris Apicelli, Bemidji, Minnesota native, relocated down to Texas. Wrote down some thoughts from the first preseason game. Madison in the flat to the right. Dreams really coming true tonight. Opening drive cap with his TD. All glory to God on Twitter. But, hey, did you see me? 98 Vikings, 
Randy Moss beat Munson. That was 2019 when we got B.C. Johnson. My main man, Boom, went boom, boom. 64 yards, put the Saints in the tomb. <laughs> Lickety split, who stays, who sticks. Offensive attacks with so many in the mix. On D, Coach C got the vision. He can see what we need, fine-tune with precision. Now let me remind you, it's just the preseason, but we're talking Super Bowl, man, and it is not treason. Skull Vikings. Let's My go. man, that's Let's good. Go. I do not have that kind of talent. That's that's really good. I, I mean, he's it. more talented than I am. That's right. Well, yeah, obviously. All right, is that <laughs> it for the voicemails? That is it for the voicemails. Right. Another great week. Yeah, that it's a good awesome. batch of voicemails. Keep sending them in. And there are good ones that we just don't have time to play either. And we enjoy listening to them. And you never know, even if it's not included in the show, we may use your question in some other form or fashion. Uh, on Vikings.com or Vikings social media channels. So, again, the phone number to reach the voicemail, 952-918-8348, the perfect number of preseason games. Let us know what you think. Call us at that number and leave us a voicemail, and maybe you'll be included in next week's Minnesota Vikings podcast. Okay, let's get to the conversation that Chris had with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. She's at every practice. She's at every game. She knows this team as well as anyone can know the team outside of the building. Chris and Courtney had a good conversation, and here's what it sounded like. All right, we are here back on the Minnesota Vikings podcast with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. She covers the Vikings for ESPN. How's it going? I'm good. Getting through training camp. I hear you. One day at a time. You've been... How many practices has it been now? I think 16 practices. At I've lost camp. track. I've lost track of days, practices, times, yeah. when to eat, when to work out, when all, to sleep. All the days just mushed together, that's for sure. And, and the thing is, like for the people, I have friends who cover teams where they're on location somewhere. Yep. I, I can't imagine doing that anymore. I did that in uh, Napa with the Raiders. And oh, it's, nice. It's a lot of travel to and from every day. Yep. I love the fact that they're here because I can sleep in my own bed at night. I, I hear you on that. We used to be out in Mankato, which is about two hours from here, and we would sleep in a little twin-sized dorm room bed. No, thank <laughs> you. Yeah. We miss the, uh, the nights out in Mankato. That's about it. Um, but so you've been at every practice so far, like we said. What are some of your observations for this team this year, maybe different than last year? What are you seeing differently this year from the Vikings? Well, I think the big picture thing is that camp – itself is um there's a lot less storylines yep in, in a good way this camp has been very vanilla and very boring zim I'll, likes that yes <laughs> um, media members kind of do for for a multitude of reasons because you can focus on big picture features you're yep. not constantly chasing news and you're not worried about holdouts and a player a receiver's feet peeling off and, and weird things like that that just consume your time so it's different in that sense where they are really flying under the radar here, I think, in camp, yep. um, which you know teams love that. They love to not have to um, be in the spotlight and answer the big-picture questions of expectations and things like that all the time. But I guess from just like more of a, from a micro level, you know, the offense, I tend to think, is a little bit further ahead of schedule than I would have anticipated just where they were at the end of minicamp. Um, and even where they were a year ago at this point. And it just kind of shows you what the Kevin Stefanski-Gary Kubiak connection of, of those two minds, like how they're building this thing around Kirk Cousins, because yep. I think Kirk's looked really good uh, by and large throughout camp. And the less questions there are on offense going into this season, um, the better. And just kind of will show you there's more stability uh, with, that, with that group. Absolutely. So that, to me, is probably the biggest takeaway, I think, on defense. Um the depth concerns were 
things that weren't a concern with depth uh, months ago now are. And, uh, you know, it's a unit that's been together for six seasons. So I am curious because it's still the preseason. They're very much not showing anything. But yep. I every time I think about that and what the defense is going to be like this year, I go back to a conversation I had with Mike Zimmer at the owners' meetings in March about wanting to be more exotic, wanting to show different fronts and, and do a whole ton of different things. And it's like, okay – I'm still keeping that in mind and not forgetting that that's something that is a part of the plan. Just like how much different are they going to look in year six? Because we heard the same thing, very similar things, last year at this time. Yep. And they, they kind of bottomed out in their, those first four weeks. So is it going to be a repeat of that? Is it going to be different? How will it be different? Those things. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned being at the owners' meetings with Coach Jim. You also got to spend some more time with Coach Jim yes. this offseason. You were at his ranch. It Alongside was. VN, VN was there too. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> the, I think NFL Network went the day before me. I was there on Tuesday, July sixteenth. Uh, so just went down, down and back one day. Uh, it was really interesting, like just I mean, a gorgeous. Tell the fans property, about the facility property, the whole thing. What and he has a bunch of quads. He has guns. Yes. He has. I mean, there's a nice, like, man cave area that we know yeah, about. Yeah, it's so. beautiful. It's an 8,000-square-foot house. Um, so that's a mansion by most people's standards. A five-bedroom, six-bathroom, uh, 160 acres of land. You got all it's, the details. Yeah. No, I mean, it was such an incredible, like, just the vastness of this place and, and seeing he knows every corner of every bit of land and can tell you the story about how the crops came to be because he's – it, it, there's no animals on the property. Like he doesn't have cattle there, so it's not a like ranching type farm. Yeah. But it is a place where you know he can you know do what he wants when he's down there. As we were mentioning, you know can go shoot, do the clay pigeons, which I got. He taught me how to do. That's um, awesome. Did you shoot some guns? I did. Well, Wabi was there. Wabi saw me <laughs> do it. Um, it was. I got the first one. Uh, with the clay pigeons, nice. like it's, it's like the orange discs, and actually Eric Sugarman's the one who pulled, you know, pulled the thing and it went out. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so it, I think the cool thing about that was seeing Zim never really exit coach mode because he's like showing me about like how to like hold the thing and put my cheek on the barrel of the gun and close this eye and, and follow his hand and do the whole thing. That's so, awesome. Um, it, yeah, it was really cool. And it's nice getting a chance to see somebody outside of the environment you're usually used to them in from a professional setting and, and kind of see what off-season Zim is like. Uh, so that's, <laughs> you know, I have a story coming out, um, so come out on Wednesday on ESPN.com, just highlighting the, the whole experience down there and what, you know what that's like for Mike Zimmer because he goes down there every year between mini camp and training camp for five weeks. That's right. Um, so it's an exciting time for him just to get away and really see how he is away from football because we talked football a good bit during our actual interview, but going around the farm, we're talking about deer and pheasants that's and awesome. foxes and and. and why he grows chestnut trees and you know <laughs> things like that. So it's a totally different Mike Zimmer than um, I'm at least used to dealing with from a football perspective. Absolutely. Well, fans could be on the lookout for that on ESPN.com. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had some good access to the, to this team. What about the feature that you just did on Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I think that um, you know with, with Dalvin, uh, you know, going into year three, I wanted to sit down with him anyways, just to kind of talk about this is the first season he's fully healthy. Yep. Um, and when you think about that, because he's, first season he's not like exhausted going into this because coming out of the you know the year he was drafted, it's the Orange Bowl, then it's the all the combine training. The, your body doesn't have a break, and you go straight into camp, and then you tear your ACL week four, rehabbing from that, 
wasn't full go at all until later in training camp last right. year. Barely got any run in the preseason and then, you know, hurts his hamstring uh, week two in Green Bay. So uh, this is the first year he's fully healthy. Um, so I think he's got a really interesting mindset because it's kind of a pivotal year because he's going into, um, you know, it's the point where ahead of year year four or, yep. you know, be, you know, Sometime in year four, guys are going to be looking for a contract extension. So it's a pivotal year for him to actually be on the field for 16 games, to to be the player that they drafted. Absolutely. So we talked about that, but I also know that he has a charity event coming up on August 31st. I believe it's called Dalvin Day. And they're Absolutely. Gonna, they're going to do a combine and a cookout, and all the proceeds from these hoodies he's selling with that Chef Cook logo go to benefit Second Harvest. So because it's based on cooking and food and hunger and things that are, you know, really close to hit close to home for him. I said, okay, well let's, let's cook. Like I want to actually see you call yourself the chef. And I understand that there's, what did he make for you? So he made pasta, which is a very, um, you know, I I make pasta at home all the time. So I'm curious as to how he was going to make it. Um, so he did fettuccine, meat sauce, meatballs with marinara. Wow. And it was, it was good. I mean, he, um, he has his own process of doing it. <laughs> he put the, he put fresh noodles, not like box noodles, but like the ones that you buy in the refrigerated section. He yep. put them in cold water, which, um. Oh, you got, you got to, you're talking to an Italian from New York here. You have to let the water boil. I know. I was kind of giving him like some side eye on that. Be like, you sure? <laughs> you're going to want to let that boil for 30 minutes. You're going to make them into like mush at that point, but no, it's good. Um, Al dente it's called exactly he had some good stories just about how mike boone taught him actually how to make pasta in this recipe was based off something i think that they made together uh and and just kind of hearing you know a different side of athletes i mean we when you get that type of access you don't want to make it all about football you want to try to learn a little bit more about who these guys are what make them tick like what you know what they're like away from this facility even though they spend on average 10 hours a day in here if not longer that's for sure um so it's cool that's awesome. Well, it's good to hear. I mean, you're getting all this cool access to our players and coaches, and um, we know our player uh, Dalvin definitely liked that little story that you did. Yeah, it was fun. Um, that was it was really cool. Back to the field, watching the game and kind of seeing some of these younger players step up and get some time out there. Who's kind of a player that you saw out there that's that you say that guy's going to make the team this I, year? I think BC Johnson. Yeah. Um, that to me was my biggest takeaway because you don't want to look too much into preseason at all especially preseason game number one but um you know Alexander Madison was a lock to make the team anyways but just to kind of see how they're going to be able to utilize him to take pressure off Dalvin Cook and to you know you know if they want to have kind of a two-back system because in my opinion it's a two-back league to begin with and they were playing a team that really amplifies that mindset and we heard Stefanski say that they're gonna have that two-back yeah they're gonna they're gonna have two back sets one back no back I mean it's they'll be multiple which is good and I think Madison's gonna be a good goal line threat not necessarily from what we saw on that one yard touchdown pass which for sure but if you need to bulldoze your way in there, He's that's be that's, the a, guy. that's a Latavius Murray type, Absolutely. Uh, which that was you know part of the reason why they signed Murray two years two years ago now in free agency is because of his goal line success. So I think that you can emulate a lot of that with Madison. Um, back to BC Johnson, I mean that was a tremendous catch and a moss like catch. Yeah, just I mean like over around the defender and you know at the corner of the uh, end zone near the pylon. So I look at that and I think more just about the receiver depth because I wrote a story last week just how important it's going to be in these preseason games to to shake out receiver spots um you know four five and six because I 
I slate Chad Beebe right now into the number three role. Um, but a lot BC, of people do. But B- BC could potentially push him for that role, given you know kind of what elements he adds uh, as far as speed, route running, things that you know if you're, if you're going to put Chad in the slot, even though we have seen him kind of do a little bit of everything here yep. in training camp. Um, We've seen him hold. Hold, yeah. I mean, he's more he can do, right? So uh, he, I, I think that that's probably my biggest takeaway. And then defensively, uh, with what Jalen Holmes and Hercules Mataf are doing at the three technique spot, and just the type of rotation they're going to have there behind Shamar Stefan, and what's going to happen on third down, passing downs um, with a pass rush there. I think that was a bright spot, even though Mike Zimmer did call out some mistakes from Jalen Holmes about not being able, you know, you have to fight off double teams and you have to, um, if you're lining up in the wrong spot, like it's, it's an issue. So um, that to me are probably the biggest takeaways. And a lot of people ask who's going to be that defensive tackle behind Shamar Stefan and Linval Joseph. Mm-hmm. A lot of us think that Zim's going to just keep him fresh and sub him in, and you have Hercules Matafa, who's a little more quick, and then you have a guy like Jalen Holmes, who's a bigger body in there. So I think a bunch of these young players can really have an impact this year. Yeah, and I think Jaleel Johnson, too, at nose tackle behind Linville Joseph. Um, this will be you know a really important year for him because Linville's getting up there That's in right. age and, and kind of figuring out, okay, um, he's coming off injury. We haven't seen him out in full practice yet. So when when is he going to be able to go? Yep. How's he going to look? And having that depth behind them, because as I continue, I do like a weekly on radio. We'll talk about like fifty three projections. I do actually like two in print, one before the season, and awesome. one that I'll probably go into week four. Is just, he making your team? Um, who? Jalen Holmes, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I have nine defensive linemen. Wow, you um, have nine. Yeah, because they never usually keep ten. They're yep. never that heavy up front. Um so the way that I do it is I, I kind of you know try to try to keep that consistent pretty much like about nine on the defensive line, ten on the offensive line. But with that group, people question kind of the depth of the defense, uh, where where they strong or where they heavy, where they light. Yep. And I think that they're actually okay on the defensive line with that. And I, we saw some good performances from those from the reserves, like Fadio Denebo too. Uh, Absolutely. In New Orleans. Absolutely. So we saw a bunch of sacks from the team, which was good to see. So a lot of, a lot of plays being made by the offense mm-hmm. and defensive sides of the ball. Now we're going to give you a little game here. It's kind of a Mad Libs type game, and we, we had you fill out a few um, beforehand, and yes. we're going to have you fill in the blanks for us as we go through some of these little uh, sayings that Jay Nelson, our producer of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, put together. The first one. Special teams is blank compared to last year. I said in the same spot compared to last year, and the reason I say that is because same I, spot. I like that. Well, and I, and I <laughs> do have some. I, I filled out a few of these before uh, we started recording, where I'm trying to be not giving you phrases the whole time. But this one I kind of struggled with because they really are in the same spot they were in last year. There were a ton of think back to like training camp between Kai Forbath and Daniel Carlson. It was yep. this kicking competition where clearly Kai was the guy. Um, and he wasn't missing field goals, and, and then they end up releasing him and going with Daniel Carlson, and we all know how that went. So I think just kind of given the wild 24 hours from this past Sunday through Monday and uh, getting you know releasing Kevin McDermott at long snapper when I think he was, at least in terms of, I'm not looking necessarily at coverage units there. Yep. I'm thinking about who was snapping the ball on field goal um, he, and you know PATs. He was the better of the two long snappers, so I'm wondering, okay, why, you know, there seems to be just always some sort of unsettled field feel here. And Absolutely. So, um, 
yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. The Vikings decided to go with Austin cutting the seventh-round draft pick at long snapper instead of Kevin McDermott, so um, that was the move that was made there. The next question on special teams, special teams needs to be blank to succeed. Not unsettled. I'll go off the <laughs> word that I just, I just used with that. I think uh, with, you know, they need to figure it out. Whatever Corey Vedvik's going to do, um, I don't think it's probably the best idea if, to let him punt and kick. I mean, have him as an emergency on one or the other. but So he's a kicker and punter. Yes. Um, from, I, I think he'll be the punter on yep, this team. Yep. Punter and holder. So that would mean the Vikings would hold on to Dan Bailey, but... He could also do the kickoffs as well and kind of take that off Dan Bailey's plate. True. The next one, our defensive depth, we kind of talked about this, is blank. Questionable in spots. Um, What spots? Cornerback, obviously. Uh, Safety depth, I could see them potentially bringing a safety in via, you know, they're light at the safety position uh, behind Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith. So those two, um, in the defensive line depth, I think there are, I wouldn't say it's skeptics, but the people are questionable, questioning, okay, like, well, is the Jalen Holmes, Hercules, Mata Afa, three technique rotation, is that really going to work out? Yep. Um, are they going to miss Sheldon Richardson that much that it's going to be that noticeable? Like, you know, behind, is Stephen Weatherly going to be able to do what he did last year? Odenabo is still a relatively unknown product. Um, but I think, that, I think they should be comfortable and confident in what they have on that defensive line. We're going over the to the offensive side of the ball. Stefanski and Kubiak are looking for blank in the preseason. I'll say consistency. Like, does the offensive line look the same from week to week? Does Kirk, um, you know, when he goes under center, is it leading to better use of play action? Is it leading to better use of outside zone? How yep. is that affecting, you know, their whole philosophy of marrying the run and pass? If they can look... If it cannot be such a big drop-off, because think about the preseason game number one last year where they threw to 16 different receivers, put up 400-plus yards of offense. That's right. Um, Versus Denver. Amazing against Denver. Yep. And then look what happened against Jacksonville the week thereafter. And they were just completely, I mean, from an injury standpoint, they were dismantled. Um, they lost like six guys in that game. That's a lot right. of reserve pieces, but the offense looked awful. So it's, you know, I think to, to show Mike Zimmer that this unit can – be in a stable position this year it's it's just consistency from week to week in the preseason and also just with your younger guys um you know that these are opportunities to to flush out the receiver position flush out you know who your running backs are going to be in that room behind cook and we want to see cook out there too yeah i I do i eventually i think he needs to be out there because i don't think it was um the best situation last year for him to be have such a discrepancy in workload between the preseason and week one so I think at some point he needs to be out there the last one and this is probably the biggest question that fans are are looking for an answer to and that is Cousins second year will be blank better based on the personnel around him in the scheme better you said better that's good I did (laughs) I I wouldn't want to say worse right like I mean that's uh it's kind of going back to like what I was saying with like Stefanski and Kubiak, I think the way that this scheme has been built around Kirk, you know, him going under center, I mean, yep. the play actions marrying with where he's at, yep. you know, either in the shotgun or under center and then leading to outside zone and you can descri- you can disguise your looks more. You don't look as predictable as they did last year when they were dropping back so often. You want to be multiple. Yeah, of course. And I mean, that's the, that's the cliche term, but how are we actually seeing that play out in games and I think the biggest another big takeaway that relates to that 
uh, coming off of what we saw in that preseason game was that they weren't lying about what they said with, hey, we want heavier personnel groupings. We want 21 personnel. We want 12 personnel. He we, was on the move every like, time, pretty yeah, much. And Yeah, that too. They, you know, a lot of movement. They, yeah. you know, they said they wanted to use a tight end. Well, Tyler Conklin looked pretty good on that tight end screen. They said they want to run the ball more and be, you know, run the ball more, especially in the red zone. They did it with Alexander Madison. Yep. Um, what All the stuff they said that they wanted to do in the offseason, we're starting to see here. And yes, it was one preseason game. Four but, for four with a touchdown, pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, just but like beyond that, just like the actual the play calling and how that whole thing is coming together, it lines up and it mirrors what they said they wanted to do. They're not changing their philosophy um, or trying to you know fit a square peg into a round hole. Yep. Well, I like to hear that. I like to hear better because that's yeah. always good. So. We thank you for your time, and we can find your work on ESPN.com, yes. Score North. Yes. You're also on KFan every once in a while, right? Every once in a while, you're, as long you're, as they'll have me. You're doing it all, and yeah. uh, I know we try to get you on Vikings Game Plan as much as we can. Yeah, as it's well. fun. It's beautiful, beautiful studio. Okay, a couple of things to wrap up before we go here on Episode 4 of the Minnesota Vikings Podcast. The end of training camp is basically here. This is the last week of the open portion of 2019 Verizon Vikings training camp. So the team will practice the rest of this week with the exception of Wednesday. The The team is off on Wednesday, no practice Wednesday, but there is practice on Thursday and Friday. So for those of you who want one last chance to check out the team in a training camp practice, you got to do it on Thursday or Friday. Yeah, you, you got to get here. <laughs> All right, go ahead and come to training camp because then we play our second preseason game and then training camp continues for the team, but it's not open to the public. So make sure you get out here um, in one of these last two days and check out the team. The next preseason game is on Sunday at 7 p.m. Week three of the preseason is Saturday. A week from this Saturday, we play the Arizona Cardinals. First overall draft pick, Kyler Murray, and the Arizona Cardinals, including Minnesota native Larry Fitzgerald. They will be at U.S. Bank Stadium. That game is Saturday at noon. And then just a few days later, the Vikings conclude the preseason in Buffalo Thursday night. 6.30 p.m. After that, August 31st is the 53-man cut. September 1st, waivers will happen. Other teams will claim guys who got cut. Teams will establish a practice squad. So lots of stuff coming up here in the next few weeks. A big um, news item that you and I didn't get to, Chris, was the trade for the kicker. That's right. Uh, Corey Vedvik. So we'll see what happens here for the rest of the week. Kicker slash punter. And in the preseason game, kicker slash punter Corey Vedvik acquired from the Baltimore Ravens for an undisclosed draft pick, most likely from 2020. Um, and so that's going to be interesting to watch here the rest of the week in practice and then in the preseason game against Seattle. And we'll see if the Vikings make any roster moves after or before that he, preseason He game. boots the ball. Yeah, Let me man. Tell you, I haven't watched him kick. He's. I saw him hit a 60- and 62-yard kick in front of the fans at practice on Monday. So... The guy's got a big leg. I think he's missed one field goal in two preseasons with the Ravens. Uh, he's been, he had two 50-plus yard punts in week one of the preseason with the Ravens. So the guy's obviously a stud, and we'll see what he can do here. We'll see what Zim has in store for him. All right, let's go. Let's get out of here on this, Chris. Episode two of The Voyage will be— Don't miss it. Yeah, it will be released on Wednesday. A lot of people will be listening— to this episode of the podcast, and it will already have been Wednesday, or it is Wednesday. In that case, we're going to be done in less than a minute. 
Click out of here and go find The Voyage, episode one, very well received as you went behind the scenes with members of the Minnesota Vikings uh, roster and coaching staff as they went through the offseason program and got ready for training camp. Wait till you see what's in store for episode two of The Voyage. Again, it will be released on Wednesday. You can find that on Vikings.com, on Vikings social media platforms, all across the digital network of the Vikings Entertainment Network. All right, that's it for episode four of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I thank co-host and co-producer Chris Corso and Jay Nelson for all of their work producing the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We also thank Alexander Madison for taking time out of his busy training camp schedule to join us. And of course, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, someone who knows football, knows it well, knows the Vikings and knows it well, and someone who will join us many times in the future. Our thanks to her for joining us as well. And our thanks to you for listening to episode four of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. We'll be back with episode number five of the Minnesota Vikings podcast after the Seattle Seahawks preseason game on Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Make sure you check that game out. Kickoff again just after 7 o'clock and make sure you catch the game on the Vikings radio network. That's it for now. One more thing. Skull Vikings. Vikings.